Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. I had planned to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic and how quickly the bloom, once again, came off Doncic being an MVP favorite, and where exactly we should expect Luka and the Mavericks to rank this season. But I'm going to let that one stay in the oven just a little bit longer because a more important development happened elsewhere in the Western Conference with none other than the Los Angeles Lakers. They won without LeBron James, with Russell Westbrook making several key baskets down the stretch, and with Anthony Davis playing through an injury and dominating the way a 28-year-old big man who had just been named one of the league's 76 all-time great players should. I know what you're thinking. Buecher, you just downplayed the Chicago Bulls being undefeated by pointing out that they'd played three of the worst teams in the league doing so, and now you're going to give the Lakers props? Does anyone still use that word anyway? For reaching 500 against the now 1-3, clearly in rebuilding mode San Antonio Spurs, who tried to win in regulation off of DeJounte Murray-contested mid-range pull-up jumpers, which is about as ugly as it sounds? Yes. Yes, I am. Because sometimes it's not the what, it's the how. What made me cautious about getting too excited about the Bulls is exactly why the Lakers' performance caught my attention, and it's how they finished. The Bulls stumbled to their win over the Raptors to go 4-0, by far the best team that they've played so far, and they're not going to beat very many good teams doing that. Needing overtime to beat the Spurs doesn't erase my concerns that the Lakers are too old and too defensively deficient to come out of the West, But there were early signs that the expectations and the egos could lead to an early unraveling. What I saw down the stretch against San Antonio were signs that if they 
do go down or fall short, they're going to do so fighting. Granted, there was body language from the Lakers at times that made it appear that they were fraying at the seams. AD threw up his arms at one point when rookie Austin Reeves cut to the middle of the paint when he should have been spacing the floor, screwing up what I presume was AD's plan to make the same cut from the other side of the floor. Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard made similar gestures at different junctures for different reasons. It all wasn't about Reeves, but there were a lot of unhappy campers in Lakers uniforms. There was a fair bit of yapping at each other that I just don't remember seeing from a team this experienced this early in the season. But when plays had to be made and shots had to be knocked down, the Lakers' best two players available, AD and Westbrook, came through. Westbrook repeatedly attacked the rim, especially in overtime, making three of his five shots. Nine of his 15 makes were at or near the rim, including a driving dunk in overtime. AD worked his way into the paint and either drew a double team and kicked it, including one to Reeves for a wide open three, or scored himself. Perhaps the most encouraging sign was that AD went down at the end of regulation after twisting his knee on a free throw scrum under the basket, walked it off, and played the entire five-minute overtime. Now, as regulation ended, he did lay down on the floor again underneath the basket. A little dramatic, but he got up, played the entire five minutes. In other words, he gutted it out. And I'm not sure how many times I've used those words to describe an AD performance. I have to believe this is exactly what the Lakers envisioned when they acquired Westbrook. Someone who could take the reins with LeBron off the floor or unavailable. And he delivered, shooting better than 50%. He only hit one of his four threes, but it was a big one in the fourth quarter. Malik Monk hit some timely threes as well, which I imagine is also something the Lakers hoped he could provide. There were a few troubling signs as well, of course. No one is a bigger fan of Rajon Rondo than I am, but he was a massive liability at both ends, reflected in his plus-minus of minus 15, by far the worst on the team. He couldn't stay in front of the young San Antonio guards. He compounded that by gambling in the backcourt and providing the Spurs with several five-on-four opportunities that they cashed. Carmelo Anthony was not much better, missing six of his seven shots. And the Lakers benefited mightily from San Antonio being atrocious at the free throw line. At one point late in the fourth quarter, missing four consecutive free throws and going 0 for 7 from the line in the period. I did not make that up. The Spurs missed all seven of their free throws in the fourth quarter. But if this experiment is going to work for the Lakers, it's going to take their big guns to impose their veteran experience and superiority with the game hanging in the balance, no matter who it is. And at least for one night, they did that. Everyone needs a confidence booster now and then, and they got one. I don't even want to think about the Lakers' mindset if they had lost this game. Instead, they won, and this could be the start of a nice little win streak with their next game being in Oklahoma City to face the glorified G League Thunder, followed by a homestand against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Save all the talk about the resurgence there. It's a little early for that. 
the Houston Rockets twice. It's not sure the last time I've seen a team play the same opponent twice in a row at home. And then the Thunder again. Had they lost to the Spurs, there might have been some pressure to get LeBron back sooner than later from his sore ankle. Instead, they have to feel as if they can roll through this stretch with or without him. There's still a matter of incorporating all the pieces at some point and making them work. Their defensive rotations are still painfully slow. Size is supposed to be one of the Lakers' strengths, even without LeBron, and they were outscored in the paint by a Spurs team that had Jakob Pertl as their lone big man. Pertl going 13 for 17 and grabbing 14 boards, 7 off the offensive glass. But the schedule doesn't toughen up for the Lakers until mid-November, and building a little bit of cushion and keeping pace with the Warriors and the Jazz does not appear as daunting as it did after they were thoroughly outclassed by the Warriors and Suns to open the season. The truth is, this season will be far more interesting if the Lakers are a force to be reckoned with, or at least relevant. I know Lakers fans are buying into the idea that it's just a matter of time before their host of big names begin clicking, but let's face it, up until the final minutes against the Spurs, there were more signs this experiment was headed toward an implosion than fireworks. I also know there are those who see the Utah Jazz replicating as the favorite in the West, but don't count me as one, especially after watching them struggle to put away a Denver Nuggets team without Jamal Murray and the reigning MVP Nikola Jokic on their home floor. That said, in a season where Far too much attention has been on a player who has chosen not to play because he does not want to get vaccinated, and another player who's not playing because he doesn't like his teammates. I am rooting for every other team to decide their fortune by showing up and being their best selves, wherever that might lead, and whatever my thought is about their chances of being on top at the end of the season. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I want to touch on one other item before I go and that's the situation in Philadelphia the 76ers losing decisively to the New York Knicks with Joel Embiid looking damn near listless with more turnovers and assists and a meager 14 points and six rebounds I realize he's playing through a sore knee but in light of everything going on with Ben Simmons and Joel's role in Simmons disenchantment this is his time to grab the Sixers by the scruff of their collective necks and keep them afloat because after talking to a host of gms for a piece i'm writing for fox sports that should be out later this week on well let's just say a second look at the 2020 draft the best case scenario for the sixers as it stands is that they guilt or pressure simmons into coming back and playing for them because it doesn't matter how long team president Daryl Morey waits until December 15th 
when more contracts around the league become tradable, or the trade deadline, or the 2022 draft. He's not getting back the superstar that does all that Simmons can't. Damian Lillard has made it clear he's not leaving Portland. And hoping that if the Blazers struggle, that will change is ignoring why Lillard made it clear he doesn't want to go anywhere. Which is that he knows how good he has it. He has a franchise dedicated to building around him. A fan base that will never turn on him because that's not how Rip City rolls. If you pledge allegiance to them, they will ride with you through all the 3-for-24 starts from 3-point range you can muster. They aren't what have you done for me lately, fans. If Bradley Beal wanted out of D.C., one, he would have made that clear already. The Wizards aren't going to contend with the Bucks or the Nets or the Heat, but they should be in the mix with the rest of the middling teams in the Eastern Conference. And Beal appears perfectly content to be the star on a team that is simply a potential playoff team. By the way, hats off to Tommy Shepard, who took John Wall and turned him into Russell Westbrook, and then took Russell Westbrook and turned him into a bunch of serviceable, movable pieces that Bradley Beal is happy to play with. This may come as a shock, but not every quality player in the league considers it his birthright or absolutely essential that he is on a title-contending team. Here's the other factor to consider. If Lillard or Beal did flip, and say they wanted to be moved. There are 29 other teams that would be making bids for them. Even if one of them said, which is not very likely, but if one of them said, I only want to play in Philadelphia, Neil O'Shea, the GM for the Blazers, or Tommy Shepard for the Wizards, would simply say, look, if you want to go someplace else, we'll move you. But we're not sending you to Philadelphia. You have to meet us halfway. Ben Simmons is not James Harden. And the Sixers can't offer the mother load of assets that the Nets were able to give the Rockets. More than likely, if Lillard or Beal came on the market, stronger bids than a point guard who can't shoot and doesn't want to try would be made. The Blazers and Wizards wouldn't be looking to acquire a Ben Simmons to build around instead of Lillard or Beal. Imagine how that would play to their fan bases. They'd be looking for a rebuilding package of young talent and draft picks, what the Houston Rockets got for Harden. And yes, I know Simmons is only 25 years old, but he's also on a max deal. And what about him or his game in the last six months makes him the kind of centerpiece a team would be interested in building around? If he doesn't want to play for a team as good as the Sixers, what assurance would the Blazers or Wizards have that he wouldn't become just as disenchanted with them. I've mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. Simmons couldn't have played this worse. Not showing up and erasing the memory of his playoff meltdown didn't help his market value at all. Not caring where he plays, as long as it's not in Philadelphia, hardly sends a signal that he has a vision for what he wants to be and how he intends to be different than what he's been for the 76ers. In short, the player Maury envisions getting back for Simmons doesn't exist. 
He's not on the market, and if he was, it's hard to imagine getting him to Philadelphia. I'm all for happy endings, win-win situations, etc. But sometimes, there isn't one to be had. And this looks like one of those sometimes. Alright, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And since I'm letting the Dallas Mavericks Luka Doncic subject bake a little longer, I think it might be time to look at the Boston Celtics with Dennis Schroeder and the pieces that Brad Stevens has put together. They look promising. Just how promising are they? Where should we consider them in the Eastern Conference? In that group at the top? or in the mix with the Washington Wizards. Well, we're going to see the Wizards and the Celtics face off in 24 hours. So that'll give us at least an early indication of where they stand. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.